are now listening to the malfunction. I am Codename Agile, a supercomputer database capable of storing an infinite supply of magic gathering information. At the time of assembly, my creator program to keep all of my stored information within me for eternity. But in 1500 hours, on Sunday, September the 5th, a flaw in my already corrupt data system caused me to malfunction, releasing one of my old data files a week to the MTG cast community. These files include decklists through formats including Elder Dragon Highlander, Standard, Legacy, Extended, and Casual. Spoiling information, deck building strategy, and tips to survive in a competitive FTG setting. Warning, these files also may contain material not yet suitable for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Fleshlings. Today I will bring you data file 952010. This is the day of corruption. This data file contains material involving a new legacy deck in my computer system, standard outlook, new standard outlook, post scars of merit and release, and a few general thoughts upon how the meta is going to be shifting, what's going to be in store for you in tournaments in the future, and what Wizards is actually trying to do to the public. To start, the Affinity deck, which is Legacy. The Affinity deck is definitely Archetype. It used to be Tier 1, and now it dropped, and it has not been seen in quite a while. I'm trying to bring this back within my system. The list is as follows. 4 Great Furnace, 4 Seat of the Synod, 4 Vault of Whispers, 4 Dark Steel Citadel. This is the land base. This is potentially going to have different lands in the sideboard, but I do not think of the sideboard when I create the deck and when it computes. It is almost like a toolbox of things deck. Sometimes it wins when it has no business winning whatsoever. This is helped in fact, or in part, by three counter spells and two force of will. This gives you the slight advantage over most older affinity decks due to the fact that they did not have any form of denial whatsoever. So if you do not combo off, because admit it, Affinity is technically a form of combo deck. If you did not combo off in your opening hand, then you're probably going to lose. So I run five main deck counter spells in this build. Also, there are four Ornithopters. Um, this, not as much of a toolbox card, but it is a zero drop artifact, which is going to pair up nicely with the new Scars of Meriden artifact. It's a zero, and it's a one, it's zero costing, one one artifact creature. Back to the toolbox. There's two Atog. It almost gives you a fourth and a fifth Archon Ravager. But if they go to search or actually have something in their hand they can name in search your deck four, it will not get hit by that spell. Also, if they play, if the if it is a rogue deck and they do happen to play any kind of counter spell that they have to name a creature or they have to name a creature in order to pull it out of your deck, this will give you a backup option as opposed to Ravager. Plus on top of that it gives you means to sacrifice your artifacts to deal slightly more damage. To pair alongside these is two flings. This also allows you to win when you have no business winning. If all you have is an Atog, ten artifacts, and that's it, and they have a blocker. You can sack your artifacts to Atog, fling it for basically what's doing 21 damage. Um, as, as again I said, three Ravagers. Um, the slots, I would run four, but it just doesn't seem... It seems a little too easily stopped, plus Atog gets the job done better with fling than Ravager does. 
And if you have to take something out, it's a two-drop creature slot. So, it's obviously coming out. Um, three ornithopters are good artifacts. Another artifact creature is Archbound Worker. There's a four of them here. They cost one. They're a one-one with the ability of Modular. Modular states. When this comes into play, put a plus one plus one counter on it. When it's put into a graveyard, you may put a plus one plus one counter for every on target artifact creature for every plus one plus one counter this creature has. So basically, it costs one colorless for a one-one that transfers its power when you sack it to something. This is nice because it does help you excel out and combo out into your affinity state. Um, going along with affinity, there's four frog mites. They cost four, there are two two affinity for artifacts. These are going to be your main speedy creatures. Also, you have four mirror enforcers. They cost seven, it's a four four artifact creature with affinity for artifacts. This is also going to be excelled up fairly quickly. This is going to be your main beat stick. Also, as part of a combo, you have four disciple of the vaults. Cost one black mana to play. It's a 1 1 human cleric. Whenever an artifact is put into the graveyard from play, you may have target opponent lose one life. This combos nicely with all of your sack artifact effects. Also, there's four thought cast. This card is a sorcery, cost one blue and four colorless. It has affinity for artifacts and you draw two cards. In theory, if you can play a frogmite for free, you can draw two cards for one blue mana. It's very good, it allows you to draw into more gas and win. On top of that, speaking of gas, I have, I put in a slight excel base, just to have it more consistent, the ability to get out your artifact creatures if you, say, don't have enough artifacts on the field. These consist of four chrome mocks and four lotus petal. Lotus petal will most likely be replaced by mox opal, comp scars and Marilyn. These are very good cards to have. They're zero drop artifacts, they give you extra mana, and it's free. They combo out nicely, they give you any color you need, so it also helps you get unstuck when it comes to your mana base and your colors. That's it for the main deck. If you want to test it, test it, I'll post the list. If not, you don't have to. Just take my word for it. For future reference, I'm sorry that this cast seemed a little choppy, seems a little disorganized, this is the first cast. This is the corrupt edifile. Things will see clarity in the coming weeks. As long as you continue to listen and continue to provide feedback. You can provide feedback via the MTG Cast Network and commenting on this episode. You can provide feedback by emailing Azrael at mtgmalfunction at gmail.com. That's mtgmalfunction at gmail.com. Please comment. See what I can do better. See how I can make you as the public, as the MTG cast network work better. Um, the sideboard that I've been thinking up for this affinity deck, I do have five cards so far. They are as follows. Two Tormod's Crypt. Zero Drop Artifact. Tap it, sacrifice it, remove all cards and target players graveyard from the game. This wrecks Dredge. This wrecks Life from the Lone decks and land combo decks. This wrecks any kind of weird zoo aggro with Vengevine decks that you may see in Legacy. Of course, they'd be newer players to Legacy because these decks don't tend to work super consistent, but they are there, they are rogue. There will be three Piffin Yields, maybe four. 
There's a one-drop artifact. When it enters the battlefield name of a card, activated abilities of sources with the chosen name cannot be activated unless they are mana abilities. They also one-drops, as I said. They help your cause. They help the Infinity Route. Plus, they stop any kind of Jason Mind Sculptor Legacy deck. They stop Jace Bellerin. They stop any Planeswalkers whatsoever. They also help stop various other little interesting cards throughout the rest of the format, including their artifact destruction, like Kosali Pride Mage. Also, there's two Spellburst. Spellburst is a blue and X. Has a buyback of three, it's an instant. Counter target spell with converted mana cost of X. These are mainly in there to counter control decks and help stick your affinity combo. Anyway, a link away from Legacy. That's one deck idea. I will be bringing you more about the metagame in the next episode. Scars of Meriden. I said my little bit about Scars. I'm not going to give away too many in the spoilers, just in case you guys, as the network, do not like spoilers. Um, I will, however, go over the dying current standard format, which may live a little bit, it may not. Mainly, this is going to consist of Jund. Jund has been around since Laurel and Shard's standard, and it has shifted to one of the most popular, the best tier 1 decks in standard since November 2009. Jund a lot of people think Jund is dying away. It's really not. Um, sure, it's more easily stopped with the oncoming of Obstinate Baylaw. Um, and, I mean, Spreading Seas helped kill it a little bit, but it found routes out of that. I mean, Jund is not going to die. Baylaw hurts it a little, but Jund still does what Jund does. It just needs an altered, a slightly altered game plan. It's still consistently winning, or not really winning, but top eighting at tournaments, at large scale tournaments around the globe. So don't underestimate it until it's actually gone. Um, also, another thing you have to watch out for is John with Grave Titan. Grave Titan is diminishing in price. It is getting less and less popular, but it is still a super large threat. This does replace Groupmate Dragon in Jund. It makes Jund's mana base more consistent. It also allows them to actually clog the board and do whatever they want to do at that point with you needing an answer or dying. Um, also, you have a lot of Primeval Titan ramp decks coming into standard. Primeval Titan is the main standard staple nowadays. It is super expensive at $50. Not really super expensive compared to Jace the Mind Sculptor, but it's still a very high-priced card. Um, speaking of Jace the Mind Sculptor, he is still a bomb. As soon as Shards rotates, he is going to go up in value. Main reason behind this is with the release of Scars, you have two new Planeswalkers. If you do not like spoilers, fast forward this a minute. These Planeswalkers, there's a new Elspeth, and there is a new Planeswalker, Venser the Sojourner. Those of you who do not know, Venser was actually a creature in the Future Set expansion. I'm not going to reveal what these Planeswalkers do. Look them up online, I will not spoil. Okay, now you should be back if you did leave the show to not have the spoiler, at least the names. We didn't actually spoil any information about them, just the names. Um, 
Webdeck Wins is another standard deck. It's not really around anymore, so you don't really have to worry about Webdeck Wins or any form. Mono White has Soul Sisters. Soul Sisters is a Connolly Woods rogue deck that is based around a Giant's Pride Mate, Sarah Ascendant, and a bunch of life game cards, including Souls Attendant, and um, its little quote-unquote Soul Sister, um, which would be Soul Warden, if you don't know, but it's an older card, so you should know. This deck is very, very underrated. It is very, very consistent. It is very, very powerful. Watch out for this. It is cheap to build, and it is a good FNM deck if you attend FNMs. Polymorph is still in the format, so watch out for that. It is combo. Along with combo, you have Pyromancer's Ascension, which is also very consistent. Artifact decks are not to be seen. Every now and then you have a green-red ramp Eldrazi deck, which you just have to outrace. Naya Shaman, or Fauna Naya, or Fauna Shaman Naya, there's several names for it, is one of the best decks in the format. This deck uses Fauna Shaman, discarding Benjamin, to dig up basically a bunch of one-up creatures, including Realm Razor, and Pride Mage, and various other little one-drops, or one-slots. One it is a toolbox. Watch out. Basically, whatever deck you're playing, they don't need to sideboard game one against you. They have answers in main deck for whatever game you're actually trying to play. Um, Mono Black is still around every now and then. Um, it's decent, like Mono Black Control, as long as you're playing a creature deck. Against any kind of control deck, it's not too great, because it doesn't have any answers for walkers. Um, fish, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a Merfolk deck coming around, either pre-Scars or post-Scars. They are still rather powerful, and I can only see it post-Scars getting better. Mono Green, not really around anymore, and it does not look, as the spoilers are going so far, that Green's going to get too much to, to actually increase its potential in the standard format. Land destruction is completely going off the door. So is tempo. Um, also, still within the standard format, you have blue light control, still a power, an overbearing dominant power, due to the fact that the cards are so good in combination and coinciding with each other. These are Jace the Mind Sculptor, potentially Gideon Jura, Elspeth the Knight Errant, Baneslayer Angel, potentially Sphinx into our Isle. Potentially Sun Titan, potentially Frost Titan, Mana Leap, Cancel, Deprive, maybe if you're running out of my Depths Bridger, Wall of Omens, and several several others. This deck, it's not fast, but it is efficient and it is very consistent. So that's always there to watch out for. So that's the standard wrap up. To be completely honest, that's all I have for you today. Um, Sorry if this seemed very short, very uninformative, if it didn't seem to have a point or a purpose. The next few weeks, and the up-and-coming weeks, I will post way more informative casts. I would expect you, the MTG Cast Network, as listeners, 
to give me tips on what you would like to hear about so I can look it up in my database. So please email me. Again, it's mtgmalfunction at gmail.com. Um, and just let me know what you would like to hear about. I will do a combination of basically anything you would like to hear. Anything you're willing to hear as long as it stays on Magic Topic. Um, I'll be as informative as possible. And I would hope that you would give me the support and the opportunity to actually put out a better cast. Because I know this one wasn't too impressive. Yeah, so I thank you for listening to this episode of Malfunction. And... I hope you tune in next week with some suggestions. Take it easy.